want to join us, link is over in the bio. Uh, we're going to be talking about Jordan Peterson's letter to the churches. So come join us over there. We're getting started right now. Or at least I think so. Are we live? We're live. Microphone check. One, two, one, two. I think we're live. What's going on, everyone? Can everyone hear us? Can everyone see us? Okay. I hope so. Should look at the setup once again. We got to thank. Uh, we got to thank the. Should we? Should we name you, or should we just leave you nameless? What, what, what creates more of a sense of? Well, yeah. Okay. I guess we'll name them now. Everybody's heard it. Got Dan in the background. He, he uh, offering us his studio space and set everything, setting everything up, which is awesome. And you know we're truly blessed to have that. Uh, what's up, Shannon? How are you doing today? I can hear you, but can't see me. No, she said we're good. Oh, you're good now. Uh, what's up, falsely? How is everyone? How are you? What's up, Ken W? TikTok, we are live on YouTube, so if you want to hang out with us, uh, link is in my bio. Just swipe on over, swipe right, or click my page. You can click the link and, and join us. So what I wanted to go over today is I wanted to go over Jordan Peterson. He wrote, uh, um, well, I guess he didn't write, he did a video, an open letter to the to the churches. Basically, the concept of the this, this video was to invite men back into the churches and, and it's about a 10 minute video but it's really in-depth and I kind of want to go through it and I want to break it down because I kind of agree with him and this is something that you know you told me when I first started coming to church is like we, we also talked about this on the last live is that men have no problem finding a wife because <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a lot of uh, church seems to be catered to to the feminine side yeah. do you agree with that yeah there's always a lot more like in like college and career groups like the bible study groups for young adults it's always the majority are women right yeah why do you think so well if you were to guess i just i don't i think the community aspect Mm. of church is more appealing to women especially because like if i invite a bunch of female friends to come to church i feel like they're probably more likely to come and check it out than guys are yeah guys don't want to go to church that's that's the truth um So I actually put a video out, um, what was it, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, and I actually asked that question. I asked the the question, what happened to masculinity in the churches? And I had quite a few people respond, and, and a lot of people kind of hit me with like the conspiracy theory stuff of uh, of like, you know, the government's trying to like take away masculinity and <laughs> stuff like that, and then it's trickling down to the, the churches. And I, I was like, okay, what, whatever, maybe. Uh, one guy, I, uh, man. I feel bad because I've been following him for a while. One guy did a response to me and I actually thought he did uh, the perfect response on this. He said, the reason why masculinity is kind of like trickling out of the churches is because uh, women primarily take the teaching role, right? Like on, on the, not like as like you have your pastor, obviously, Mm -hmm. but I'm talking like on a one-to-one level. Like if you go to like your Sunday school and things like that, uh, the argument he made is that like, in, in schools, in Christian schools, in, in like your one-on-one Sunday schools, things like this, you usually get a, a female figure and they're, they're going to cater to what's appealing to them. And that kind of trickles down the grapevine. Does that seem right? Um, you, you, cause I, I'm just new to the Christian world, but that's what he said. Well, like the only experience I would have had with Sunday school is like at one church and all of those teachers were, would be predominantly like men, Absolutely. unless it was specifically for a women's 
So that might that might not be right then. Yeah, but I think like in the like in the public schools and stuff, the teachers are mostly female. But I don't think that would necessarily have an impact on the church. Not on the church in general, but generally, if you're teaching something biblically, right, you're you're going to teach from something that's appealing to you. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 this, and I might sound like I'm having like a war on on females <laughs> right now. I'm not. Uh, there's nothing wrong with catering to 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 females and what they need and and nurturing them as well. But it does seem to be in a way kind of neglecting um, men as well. And, and you know, it's kind of like trying to find that balance of like catering to both sides because both are needed. Uh, I think you guys believe they should just figure life out and out and community requires vulnerability i can't read that i think guys not you guys oh oh i think guys believe okay yeah maybe i'm losing my vision um so yeah we're gonna get into the video and basically i got markers on when i want to stop it and and kind of add my two cents to what he's saying and kind of try to expand a little bit as well so if we get into the video now we're gonna play about the first minute of it so this is jordan peterson's article message to the christian churches hi all It is, of course, completely presumptuous of me to dare to write and broadcast a video entitled Message to the Christian Churches, but I'm going to do it anyway because I have something to say and because that something needs to be said. I've been speaking to and watching and listening to audiences all over the Western world for the past four years, in person and in virtual form, and have learned a few things in consequence. It all started in some sense with the lectures I did on Genesis in 2017. My family and I took a risk and rented out a theater in Toronto on the off chance that there might be an audience for what might be described as a psychological approach to our ancient stories. And lo and behold, and miracle of miracles, there was. I completed 15 or so lectures walking through the first biblical book, sold out the theater, and attracted, surprisingly, millions of viewers, Christians, Jews, Muslims, and atheists. And So... A lot of people who know me know my story and knows that uh, <clears throat> that Jordan Peterson's biblical series was a huge impact in my life because that's that's when I was still an atheist and I was kind of on the, the tail end of becoming a Christian. And this was like my first uh, appeal to the Bible was actually listening uh, to Jordan Peterson talk about Genesis. And I listened to that on repeat so many times, like over and over and over again. And what I've what I found by listening to what he was talking about, because like he said, he listened to it in a in a philosophical way, or he, mm-hmm. he talked about it in a philosophical way, not like a how a pastor would do it. Yeah. So it kind of like is real wisdom that you would get um from listening to history, right? Mm-hmm. Those who don't listen to history are doomed to repeat it. So he got the real wisdom from that. And we found out and I found out a couple things. First I found out is that it's not just a book of rules. I think a lot of people think the Bible is just like two pages uh don't have fun second page seriously don't have fun (laughs) (laughs) i think that's what most people think the bible is and that's not what it is and there's a lot of truth so so some examples of like what i found was true about listening to how like jordan peterson broke down so lot's wife did you have a name Mm, i don't think so actually did lot's wife have a name (laughs) oh no (laughs) oh no dan's fired dan's canceled (laughs) Um, so, so Lot's wife, so, so the story with, with Lot, right? Lot and his wife, they were down Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, you know, everything was happening, was going down. Uh, and then the angels removed them from Sodom and Gomorrah and told them to leave and don't look back. Uh, 
mm. on it, right? Because you don't, you just don't. And as they left, Lot's wife looked back upon Sodom and Gomorrah as fire rained down and destroyed it, and she turned to a pillar of salt. Sounds harsh, right? When we when we look at it and we're like, wow, that's that's pretty harsh. Why would God do such a mean and awful thing? Well, the reality of this, and this is true, this isn't real life, is that. If we look past, look at our past and we focus on our sin and we focus on things that have hurt us in the past, it will destroy us. I don't think anybody argues with that, right? If, if all I do is focus on everything I did when I was a heathen, you know, a horrible, terrible heathen, cancel mm-hmm. me, um, it, would just, it would just destroy me because there, there's definitely a lot of sin. There's a lot of things that have happened in my life. But if I focus on that, it's going to kill me. And that's true, whether I like it or not. And that's something that I started to realize by listening to Jordan Peterson's um, biblical series on Genesis is the Bible is true. Whether God is true or not was irrelevant because mm-hmm. the Bible is true. The stories that came from it true. The meanings uh, about how real life actually works is true. Yeah. It's not just um, people want to read a story and they want, they want something that's inspirational, right? You know, you want a Disney story where it's like, you know, you have a beginning, they're stuck in some sort of tragedy, they have a middle, they overcome it, and at the end, it's happy, happily ever after. Mm-hmm. That's not scripture. Scripture sits in real life. Sometimes it's tragedy the whole way through to the end. <laughs> and then <laughs> if you're lucky, you'll get a happily ever after um, when, when, you, when you reunite with God. And some other things that I noticed that were also very true is this concept of hell. A lot of people, we think of hell as like, like, what is hell, Abby? What would you say hell is? Like right off the bat, if somebody asked you before we started doing all this stuff, what would you think? A hell. place I don't want to go. place you don't want to go. Yeah. Fire, brimstone, pitchforks, right? Thrown in lava, devils laughing at you, Satan. It's just, it's torture. Jordan kind of pointed out in, in the series is hell is a little bit deeper than that. You have hell in real life, mm. right? Like we can have hell right now. You don't, you don't need to like... The kingdom, of, the kingdom of God is here and now, right? It's not something to come. It's something that's here and now or under the kingdom of God. If you accept Jesus, you can have him here and now. You don't have to wait till you die. When you die, you get you reunited. You become the bride. But you can still have him here and now. Well, you can also have hell here and now. And another thing that I learned by listening to Jordan Peterson's biblical series on Genesis was uh, talking about him talking about Satan, right? So what did Satan want? wanted everything mm-hmm. right he wanted to overtake it he wanted all focus on himself and the moment all focus went to himself instantly he was in hell what what happens like you, you're somebody who likes to surf that's something i've noticed about you as you love to help people you love to contribute to the community what do you find happens when you do that uh, i get joy out of giving other people joy right and you'd say that's perpetual, right? Like like the example I used when we were talking about this in, in the car earlier is um, I, I have a memory because uh, I teach children's martial arts. I have a memory of uh, um, this this older gentleman coming up to me and talking about his grandson. And he, and he shook my hand and he was like, you know, the way you helped my grandson, you know, I really appreciate it. Uh, keep doing what you're doing and all that. And that gave me a perpetual joy. And that, that was, that's permanent. That was years ago now. And I still find uh, joy from that, knowing that I actually did something that's, that's positive in the world. But when I seek 
happiness, something that's self-centered, something that's for my own joy when I seek that consistently, I never, ever feel fulfilled, right? When the moment all my focus is on self and I'm like, okay, I want steak. I'm going to have steak every night. <laughs> I had steak tonight. It was delicious. I really enjoyed it. Well, when I reflect on it, I didn't go, I don't reflect and go, oh, that was a great steak. And, and I, I'm going to find perpetual joy from that. I'm going to go, I want more. I want more steak, right? You know, if you're drinking, it's never enough. I learned that the hard way because first night you get drunk. It's great. Good time. Mm-hmm. Then you want to do it again. You want to do it again. And, and you end up destroying yourself looking for happiness. And most people don't know this. The, the, the key to like actually get rid of anxiety is to stop thinking about yourself because to have anxiety, you have to be thinking about what other people are thinking about for you. So most people get nervous when they go publicly speak. Right. Right. They get anxiety because why? They're worried about what other people are going to say about them. Mm-hmm. What do you tell people to do when you're like, hey, if you're going to go publicly speak, what do you tell them to do? What would you say if I was going to publicly speak? I was nervous. Like either picture no one in the room or like pick one person and pretend everyone else is gone. Yeah. Don't worry about uh, everybody in the room. Uh, don't worry about what they're thinking about you. So if you can remove yourself from the, from the image and stop focusing on yourself, the anxiety disappears. It's no longer there anymore. And that's, that's the idea. If, if you look at the entirety of scripture, it's all about selflessness, not selfishness. And if you work on selflessness, you find perpetual joy. Now, whether God is real or not is not part of the conversation here. The conversation is that. If you spend your life serving other people rather than serving yourself, you will find joy. You will find purpose. You will also not have to worry about serving yourself because if everybody in the world spent serving each other, what would happen? Everyone gets served. Everyone gets served. I don't have to worry about what's happening in my life because, you know, well, we're engaged and my goal is to serve you. Your goal is to serve me. If I serve you fully, then you don't have to worry about yourself. You serve me fully. I don't have to worry about myself. Now, if we, we, we make that a little bit bigger and we start thinking about, okay, the church. If everybody in the church starts serving each other, well, they don't have to serve themselves. And we go to the world. They, all start, they don't have to serve themselves. The, uh, ben Shapiro used the, used the analogy. Uh, he did an interview with Matt Walsh where he's like, if you have these really long spoons, right? And you're trying to feed. You, so hell is everybody's at a table with a bunch of food delicious food you have a really long spoon you try to scoop up the food but you can't quite get it into your mouth you can't quite twist it and turn it and eat it that's hell so you have this food you can't eat now what's heaven heaven's the same table of food with the same people and the same spoons but the difference is you scoop the food and you feed someone else right and then you have all the foods you need and and that's the idea so if you can get rid of that idea of being selfless or that idea of being selfish and focus on being selfless you actually Remove yourself from the hell that you can cause today. And that's what I learned listening to Jordan Peterson's biblical series on Genesis. Now, I was, you know, I was a, a full-grown man. I didn't know God at that time, and I was seeking purpose. And that's where I found it. Mm-hmm. And that's actually what I, why I wanted to talk about this video today, because I think there's something to say about that. Anyways, I, <laughs> I rambled on long enough about the, the first little bit, so we're going to continue uh, on the next bit here. Most of the people who attended live and the majority of those who watched online were young men. 
That is not a phenomenon that can be easily accounted for, but let me try. Now in the West, because of the weight of historical guilt that is upon us, a variant of the sense of original sin in a very real sense, and because of a very real attempt by those possessed by what might be described as unhelpful ideas to weaponize that guilt, our young people face a demoralization that is perhaps unparalleled. This is particularly true of young men, although anything that devastates young men will eventually do the same to young women. And that, in this era of antinatalism and equally reprehensible nihilism, is precisely the point. So I, I kind of missed my second point there, but that's that's okay. Um, so what what he's saying here is that men are being attacked, right? And they're not just being attacked uh, for what they're doing; they're being attacked uh, for what others have done, mm-hmm. right? So. We look at we look at men nowadays, society as a whole. I'm not talking about everybody. Society as a whole looks at men and goes, You're the reason women have been oppressed. Right? And it might not be me, but I'm a man, so therefore I'm connected to that. Yeah. Um, you're the reason there's colonization. You're the reason that there's racism. You're the reason that there's slavery. You're the reason that there's war. And we're constantly looking at men. And going, you're the problem. Have you noticed this? Mm-hmm. And and we've we've actually been talking about this because we you know, watch TV. Like we were watching a show yesterday. We won't say what it is, just because you know, because people might like it, and then they're going to get all upset. Um, we we're watching a show yesterday, and what we noticed in this show is that there was no masculine men. Nope. Like <laughs> a bunch of pansies. <laughs> <laughs> And and it was, and it was almost as if um, the the idea of like a masculine man was was um, terrifying. That like that the idea of like that's your villain nowadays. Yeah. And and the only only good thing that that's out there is this idea of of, of having a feminine man, right? Like and and there's nothing wrong with being like a feminine man. Like you need you need like I would say Jordan Peterson falls under that category of being feminine because he's more appealing to the emotion, he's more agreeable and things like this. Yeah. Uh, but he still portrays a sense of masculinity. So there's there's nothing wrong with being feminine, but there is a sense of like what men were has become villainized, and and I'm noticing that everywhere. Everywhere, all the time. Um, and just so those don't know, we had to look this up. He said anti-natalism. Uh, I had no idea what that was. You had no idea what that was. It's basically the idea is that society nowadays is completely against this idea of having children. And it's, it's actually a good po- point is that everything has been, um, you know, don't get married. Don't have children. All mm-hmm. focus on yourself, which is the opposite yeah. of what scripture says. And even when you do have kids, it's like you send them off to school for what like however long like six seven hours and then they're in after school and they're in after school until five o'clock and then they're in sports and they're in sports until like eight o'clock so it's very much like we're gonna we might have kids we might not really want them but we'll have kids and then as soon as we can we'll ship them off and they'll be spending all day with other adults so that we can go on we can do our career we can do our hobbies and stuff like that well we experienced that um we have kids and obviously we're not going to say who kids well, not we our own have, kids. We don't have kids. We teach kids. Yes. And um, there are parents who, who just seem to not care 
about what's happening in that kid's life. And it's just a, a means of like, this child is in my way, you know, you take them and you, you watch them. I can go off and do my own thing. You discipline my children for me. Yeah, you teach them how to be respectful and disciplined. Oh, that, there's so much of that. Like we, we get kids come in and they're like, they're, they're like, oh, I can't handle this. My child, they're, they're so rambunctious and, you know, defiant and they have no respect. And it's like we have them for a week and then they have all that, those skills. And then they leave the mat and then they go back to where they were because you haven't demanded that respect as yeah. a parent. And because society, they're focused a little bit. Uh, too much on on self here. So we're going to jump into the to the next part here. When they are children, boys are hectored for their toy preferences, which often include toy weapons such as guns, and their more boisterous playing style, as boys require active rough and tumble play, even more than girls, for whom it is also a necessity. When in grade school, boys are admonished, shamed, and controlled in a very similar manner by those who think that play is unnecessary, particularly if it's competitive, and who value a docile, harmless obedience above all. Shades of Dolores Umbridge. I love that. <laughs> As uh, a chat, does everybody know who Dolores Umbridge is? Uh, no, I'm not a youth pastor. I'm, I teach martial arts. Um, we, we both teach martial arts youth classes. Uh, TikTok, we're live on YouTube. Come join us. Uh, links in the bio. So Dolores Umbridge, right? So let's, let's paint that picture. Uh, she was in Harry Potter. Uh, she was the girl in the bright pink. She had that weird smirk all the time. It's like anytime you did something wrong, it was like you were punished. And it was like be in the corner and be quiet. And, and um, th- there's, there's a lot of that now. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of like giving out reward that's not needed. Like everybody gets a trophy. Oh, I hate that. Everybody gets a trophy. <laughs> like, and it's funny because kids don't like that either. They hate it because they all know they all know that they lost or they won. They're like, I remember, I forget where it might have been like a soccer practice or something, mm. and a kid was like, "Oh, we like won." And I was like, "Well," because like the adults had decided that like nobody was a winner or like it wasn't to win or lose or whatever, and the kid just looked at me and was like, "What's the point?" But we won. Like, we, they they know. Well, it's like um, tournaments, right? We go to go to a tournament, and a kid uh, competes, but there's not enough competing. So it's like there's bronze, there's bronze, silver, and gold medal mm-hmm. at a tournament. And if uh, if a kid competes, and there's only three kids competing, they automatically get a medal. So it's like yeah. we've seen kids go in and compete, and 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 then they they lose their first match. Not that they didn't try. And sometimes it's just your first match is difficult, right? You get paired off with the good person, yeah. and uh, and then and then get the medal, and they hate it. Yeah. You can see it on their face. You gave them the medal. They're like, I, I don't deserve this. I don't, yeah. I don't want this. And, and, and here's, here's what's happening is that we're going against the nature of what children actually are. So I started, I started uh, teaching after school program uh, at my gym this year. And I've, I've only done a couple of weeks, but I've noticed I got primarily boys. I got a couple of girls that come in, but it's mostly boys who come in and, and it's, it's sports orientated. And I, if I leave them, by themselves, like I'm watching them, but if I leave them by themselves to make, make their own fun, they will be competitive naturally. They will, they will set up rules. Like we have these, these, these styrofoam, uh, uh, noodles, pool noodles. (laughs) And it's like, they'll, they'll set up rules. I'll pick up the pool noodle be like, I got 10 lives. I got 10 lives. And they'll hit each other with the pool noodles hard, like cross the face (laughs) and laugh. And like they're competitive and they're aggressive with each other. Yeah. And it's like their lives go down and they're, oh, my life's out. I lost. And then they, they leave the mat or they jump back in or they make new rules. Like like there's a natural aggression to them. Mm-hmm. There's a natural competitive, competitive. Com- Words are hard, Abby. 
competitive you say it competitiveness that's it there's a natural that to them competitiveness and society kind of wants to 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 put a pin in that uh no toy guns right you don't don't play with toy guns well kids want to be like little soldiers right like uh we look at jocko willink uh, he tells stories like you know he was a navy seal and without the works that he did in afghanistan uh, in the united states it might be a completely different story of, of the outcome. And uh, he talks about when he was a kid, he wanted to be a commando. Right? Mm-hmm. There's this natural thing that men want to do is that they want to be competitive, right? They, they, they want some, some chaos in their life. And, and this has created um, growth. The comp- competition creates growth, mm-hmm. right? The reason our cell phones have grown is why? Because competition, right? So Samsung, Apple... Apple comes out with a, a better product. Samsung says, well, I'm going to beat you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to beat you. And, and it grows. This, this is how things grow is, is through that competition. And it doesn't stop in youth. Like what happens at the gym with, with all us guys? Do we, we end up what? Being children. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at, the, at the end of the day, like there's this, there's this fun competition of, of jujitsu or boxing or Muay Thai where it's like, me and another grown man will stand across from each other and we'll beat each other up. Literally, we'll put gloves on, punch each other in the face pretty hard. And in the moment, it sucks. It, it, it's fun, but it sucks. It's like when you get clocked right in between the eyes by somebody who knows how to punch and you're just blinking and your eyes are all watery and you're in pain and you're just like, oh, that really hurt. I don't want to do that again. But why, we keep going back. You keep going back, right? It, it, why? Why do we do that? It doesn't make sense. Because you want to get better. You want to get better. How do you get better? By being in a little bit of chaos. Yeah. By not maybe, maybe not everything being so uh, peaceful all the time. And it's, it's, this, it's this instinct, right? Like you said, you want to get better. I want to get better. And every time we do that, we get better. It's this instinct to grow that creates chaos, but the world is saying no more chaos. Mm-hmm. Everything's peace, love, and happiness. Let's all seek joy. Let's never have any problems. What are you going to do without problems? Like, what, like my dad makes a joke. He says, um, uh, he says what's heaven like? Everybody, uh, everybody's up there on coffee break? Like, you just walk around all day on coffee break? Like, <laughs> that's not appealing to him. He wants a problem to solve. That's his nature. And, and society doesn't want that. We don't want problems to solve anymore. Um, we're trying to tame men, and by that we're taking away their actual nature, the way they're built. Mm-hmm. And I used the analogy earlier with you. It's like putting a lion in a zoo. You got to read the chat for me, by the way. I can't see it. So if you I've see been something, lo- I've been glancing at it. Yeah, so it's it's like a it's like a lion in a zoo. What what happens? He loses his desire to hunt, right? He mm-hmm. loses his his nature when you take away the one thing that he's meant to do. But hunting, a lion eating a gazelle, is seen as horrendous. It's seen as like, but that, that's, that's it. That's, that's truth. Whether we like to admit it or not, mm-hmm. that's the way we're built. All right, so j- jumping into the next point here. Man, I can ramble. Following all that, because that's not enough, even when pursued assiduously for total demoralization, is the inculcation of an extremely damaging ideology, which essentially consists of three accusations. Number one, human culture, particularly in the West, is best construed as an oppressive patriarchy, motivated by the desire, willingness, and ability to use power 
defined as the compulsion of others against their will, to attain what are purely selfish and self-serving ends. This is true at every level of analysis. Marriage is akin to slavery, friendship to exploitation, political disagreement to war, and business arrangements to deception and theft. And this is true not only of the current social arrangements that characterize our culture, particularly in the West, but also the fundamental reality of history itself. And now, I know not everybody's going to agree. Um, now, no, just to be clear, this is not Jordan Peterson's belief. Um, you, you made that mistake earlier. You thought this is what he believed. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, he's claiming the accusation from what society, how society perceives um, uh, the world nowadays. Yeah. Uh, primarily uh, the left, right? <laughs> <laughs> I feel weird saying that because I'm not exactly uh, right wing because there's a lot of things I disagree with on the right too. But from the, from the left, they kind of have this idea is that, you know, uh, there's an oppressive patriarchy, yeah. right? That there's men crushing. Like, do you feel like you're crushed by men? <laughs> oh, well, jujitsu. <laughs> 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 but no, in general, no. No, but you, you feel like you have opportunity in life, right? You, you don't feel like... Um, do you feel like given the same situation, a man would have a better chance of getting ahead, right? Like what you do for a living? No. Well, and I mean, it kind of depends. Like what I do is kind of predominantly female. Right. So if I was in a trade, maybe, I don't know. I can't really speak for experience for yeah. that because that's not, my job isn't really like a typically male dominated But would sector. you, would you say that you feel like men villainize you? Villainize me? Yeah. Right. Like, like I'm not even sure where this I like idea comes from. Like I get where the idea comes from, but like, I don't see it practiced. I just hear people talking about it. I hear people talking about how villainous men are and how they are in the workplace and how they capitalize. And I'm sure they exist. Of course they do. But I don't think it's the normative. I don't, I don't really think it's like every other man is doing these, these horrendous patriarch type things where, where they're suppressing women and only pushing men forward. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but I'm going to say from my own personal life and my own personal experience, I haven't seen it to the point where I'd say there's something that we got to look in society and be like, hey, there's a problem we have to fix here. And then on top of that, and we, and we talked a little bit of this about earlier, like he was saying, uh, how, how is marriage viewed in today's world? Slavery. Well, he says slavery, but that is how it's viewed. And, and ball and chain. You'd agree with that. That's, that's the joke, right? It's a ball and chain. Dan, do you feel like you got a ball and chain? No. no? <laughs> <laughs> so it's like that, that's, how, that's how marriage is, is, is viewed, is that if you, if you choose to get married, uh, you're, you're giving up your life. Yeah. You're, you're, you're akinning to slavery. Instead of the idea should be that you're taking on somebody in your life to, to help you get through it. Right, so if we if we look to scripture, um, what was Eve's role to Adam? A uh, helper. To be the helper, right? To to help you get through it, but it's looked as a suppressor, right? And it's like you know, especially towards women, it's like, um, why are you getting married? You should be focusing on your career, not mm-hmm. so much men, because in society, a man is, is you could look like you can have a career and then have a woman on the side. That's the patriarchal view, is that yeah. you know, you you, You're, get a, you get the you get both. You, you get both. You get to have your career and then a submissive housewife is, is how they view it. But that, that's not the reality. It's that two people are joining together to be a team to, to take on the world. And, and it's saying that um, women are more powerful. Like the way the world says it is that like when we look at 
how women are, are portrayed. And when we look at how women are portrayed in media, they're portrayed without a man, right? When they're a powerful woman, I don't mm-hmm. need a man. I don't need him in my life. I'll have one if I want one or something like that. And it's like, you're deemed more powerful because of that. And my, my question is, why can't you be just as powerful with a significant other? Why does a man bring you down? Yeah. What, do you, what do you think? Um, I'm not really sure on that, but I was, I was going to say like one thing that my dad always gets really upset about is mm. when in movies, like if there's a family, it's typically like the dad is portrayed as an idiot and the mom is just like super, super mom. And so it's like, he's there, but he's not contributing anything. And he's like, he's basically just another kid. Yeah. Well, it might be the truth in your case, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's true. As, as you see in, uh, in, uh, media is you'll see, um, what is that? Uh, is a big fat guy uh, sitting there, uh, you know, reading the paper. My wife's doing all the work and he's just being a slob, mm-hmm. not contributing. He's an idiot. What? I was going to Berenstein Bears when I was growing up. My dad hated that book, like that book series. Do you Why? know what that is? Because that's the dad. The dad is just like, there's a whole book about how like the kids and the dad are like overweight and they eat too much junk. And then like Mama Bear comes in and she's like, you guys are not healthy. But again, dad is just another kid. Yeah, well, that, that's the point, right? Men are useless now, not needed. Yeah. You don't need us in society. And, and on top of that, though, it's like it, we're talking about the marital situation is useless. And then also talking about like men are blamed for every problem in the government that happens. Like uh, Roe Ro versus Wade. Yeah. Right. What, what happened is uh, um, what happened is uh, is is. They they gave power back to the to the people to to the to the states. Now we're Canadian, but we we get to see all your guys' politics. So they give power back to the states, and they stay. It's a whole bunch of old white men telling women what to do with their body. And then when we actually look at the Supreme Court, what do we have? We have a black man and a woman part of that Supreme Court. Now there's probably the other ones are probably all white men, but I'm just saying, it's like it's instantly it's the old white man mm-hmm. is the villain, and it it's just. It's always painted that way, and it's every problem. It's not just today's problem. It's all history's problems. Like, I don't know how many times in my life I've been told, John, you're not allowed to have an opinion because you're a white male. <laughs> and, and you got, and it's like, and they automatically assume that I'm part of every problem that happened in the United States. Yeah. And it's like, I'm a Canadian, for one. <laughs> like, I wasn't part of, nor was my ancestors part of the Atlantic slave trade. Mm-hmm. It's a horrendous, horrible thing. And, and, and there's still problems that trickle down from that. I'm not saying that there isn't, uh, there are people who still suffer today because of what happened then. Uh, but people will look at me and go white male, you did it. Yeah. And it's like, I'm Canadian and my ancestors are Greek. <laughs> like, <laughs> like <laughs> how am I included in that conversation? The only reason. And, and, and that's just how, how the world's uh, been looking at it. Uh, so, yeah, jumping on to his second point here. Accusation number two. Human activity, particularly that undertaken in the West, is fundamentally a planet-despoiling enterprise. The human race is a threat to the ecological utopia that existed before us and that could hypothetically exist in our absence we might well be construed even as a cancer that threatens the very viability of the complex systems that make up the ecosystem of the earth that shelters and supports us. We are facing a Malthusian catastrophe of overpopulation and biosphere degradation. And we have to place extreme limits on our wants, 
even our needs, so that survival itself, even in a much reduced form, can be guaranteed. So my entire life, it's almost like second nature now. It's like the, um, do you ever watch The Matrix? I watched the first one. You didn't like it, did you? It was a thing. <laughs> it was okay. You can give that ring back now. <laughs> you can't take that back. <laughs> um, so in the, in the in the first Matrix, uh, Agent Agent Smith goes like on this long speech that everybody pre that repeated forever because it was like a great speech about how like humanity is a cancer on on society. Uh-huh. And you talk to people nowadays, and everybody always says the same thing. It's like what's the problem with the world humanity mm-hmm. right the world like we there's a guy who come into my live very nihilistic and and he says uh the world would be better off no humans like okay cool maybe the planet would actually be better off without humans who would experience it well the, the animals. animals i guess the animals but we wouldn't obviously we yeah. wouldn't be part of that and what i've noticed is that Humans are very self-deprecating right now. Mm-hmm. They don't like anybody. Everybody hates each other. Everybody's got a reason to be mad at each other. The left hates the right. The right hates the left, right? Everybody's been put into these, their little groups, right? Like, um, like I'm a Christian, and, and what happens on, on my on my live with the with the LGBT community? They instantly come in, and they instantly go, "You don't like me." Mm-hmm. You hate you, me. Yeah, you hate me. You hate me. Like that, they instantly think that because the whole planet now is now looking at themselves as nothing good. And we think that we're destroying the planet and it's got so bad with how, how they think they're destroying the planet. I was telling you about this earlier is that they're pushing for us to eat bugs. Did you see that? I, I still have not seen anything you haven't, about Dan, that. have you seen that? Dan's seen that. There, there's celebrities now that are like talking about how good bugs are. And there's like politicians talking about how we need to move away from eating meat <laughs> and start eating bugs because we've, we were damaging the planet so bad and we're not going to have food soon and, and things like this, which I'm curious about because people say that it's like we're overpopulating the planet. Mm-hmm. We're not. There's so much planet left. There's a lot of planet. We, we don't take up, I don't know, I don't have the data in front of me, but we don't take up the majority of the planet. And we're not on an incline of population. We're on a decline. Yeah. We, we're, we're, we have less people having children now. China is going down now. With, with their, they're at the lowest rate in a long time. Like we're losing people. Like I don't think the issue is going to be that we're destroying the planet and its resources. Now, again, I'm just an idiot on YouTube. <laughs> but... From from what I've seen, the information I've looked at, where is this? Where is this sense of like pride? Where's the sense of like we've actually done something? Where's the sense of like accomplishment? Where's the sense of like the things that we've overcome? Bro, we we don't, bro. <laughs> we don't live in a house. Any we live in houses with boxes that keep our food cold. Mm-hmm. Right? People have uh, medicine now that keeps them. Alive until the age of 80, 90, over 100 years old, right? People aren't dying from random diseases. Medical, medical care is through the roof. We don't have wars every other weekend. We still have wars. We have an abundance of food. Like when's the last time you were hungry just because you did, couldn't eat? 
Never. Dan, have you ever been in this situation where you just didn't have food? Rarely. Rarely. In almost 50 years. Right. I've, I've, I have been homeless. I wasn't hungry. I, I literally, like, there was always food. Food bank, things like this. So it's like, we haven't improved the world in the last 50 years. Last 100 years. But everybody always just wants to talk about how evil we've made it, mm. how much we've taken down. And I'm going to argue this. I'm going to argue that the world has improved because of Christian values. But, but that's a whole nother story. I think it might be, though, because going back to what you said about um, Lot's wife of like staring back at the past and like the past sins and everything. Because mm. I feel like everybody right now is so focused on everything that we've done wrong in history and they won't acknowledge what we've done to correct it. And it's just constantly bringing it back up and constantly saying we need to do better and we need to like make amends for that wrong that we've done. And no matter what we do, they won't like, not that you should forget about it and erase it, but like move forward. You won't, they don't forgive. No one forgives. Yeah. Right. Nobody's willing to say, um, I'm sorry. And then the other person says, I forgive you. Let's move on to the future. Yeah. Uh, they want continual, um, and we, and we were talking about this earlier, um, I actually might get canceled for this. Um, the church, the Catholic church and first nations communities, right? What the Catholic church did to the first nations, absolutely horrendous, mm. disgusting. Um, and, and the Catholic church should make that right. But the first nations communities should also be prepared to give forgiveness and to say, we forgive you. We don't forget what you've done. So maybe you're not welcome to put a church in our community, mm. but we forgive you. And then only then can they move forward because if all, all they focus on right now is you did these horrible things, we hate you. Mm. They pay him back. They give him reprimands or whatever. You'll never pay that back, but you give some sort of reprimands, but then they continue to hate. Where, where does that come from? Where, where's the growth? Right? So it's like, if you and I get into an argument, I do something horrible against you. You never choose to forgive me. Mm-hmm. What's that going to do for our relationship? It's going to leave us stuck exactly where it is. We're never, we're never going to go forward, right? And, and yeah, we wow, we really trailed off. But yes, absolutely, hundred percent. So moving, moving on to the next point here. Accusation number three. The prime contributor both to the tyranny that makes up the oppressive patriarchy and structures all of our social interactions, past and present, and the unforgivable despoiling of our beloved Mother Earth is damnable male ambition, competitive and dominating, power-mad, selfish, exploitative, raping and pillaging. You might think that I'm overstating the case. Think again, sunshine. Sunshine. We in the West (laughs) are facing an all-out assault at the deepest levels on what that old joker Jacques Derrida deemed the fell logocentric conceptual structure of civilization itself. To take that apart, that's a society centered on the encouraging, adventurous, masculine spirit, and that privileges that hated word of all things, Amen. the divine logos. And what should we worship and celebrate properly other than that, deconstructionists? The words of that mass murderer Karl Marx? And it is precisely those young men who are deeply conscientious, capable of guilt and regret, who have come to believe in pain that every deep impulse that moves them out into the world for the adventure of their life, even that impulse drawing them to women, is nothing but the manifestation of a spirit that is essentially satanic in nature. 
This is not only wrong theologically, morally, psychologically, practically, and scientifically. It is literally anti-true. It's not a mere misstatement about the nature of reality, a minor conceptual error, but something that literally could not be farther from the truth. And something that distant from the truth comes from a place that cannot be distinguished from hell. So basically what Jordan Peterson's saying here, and I, and I don't disagree, is that the world has, and we've talked about this at the start, they've made men villains. Everything that they've done has been villainized. All the evils of the world are because of men. And because of that, there's a war on masculinity. There's a problem with that. Is that, And again, this is where we talk, talked about just a second ago, is everybody only just focuses on the bad that you've done, right? Lot's wife looked back on the past that we forget to look at the good. And remember, we just talked about the trades too. Well, the trades is primarily, it's like 96% men. And it's not because like women are not allowed. Like, do you really want to go stand on a roof and and put in roofing? No. No. It's just, it's just the general aspect of it. That, that is generally drawn out by men, right? Mm-hmm. They, they like to work with their hands. They like to work outside. Uh, they like to be physical because we got all this, I can never say it, testosterone, testosterone <laughs> running through our body uh, that, these, that these jobs naturally get filled out. So it's like, yes, men are the villain. Okay, great. What are you living in? A house. Who built that house? Men. Okay, men are the villain. You're saying this on the internet. You're saying this on YouTube. Okay, who put the line structure in for your internet? Men. Right. Like everything, I won't say everything because obviously like there's a lot of things in in the world. I'd say 50%. I think it's balanced. It's just different things, but it's like, there's so many things that people take advantage of that were brought in by men. But those same types of men are the bad guys. And the world does not want to look at them in a, in a good light. So well, I was going to say something. Completely forgot my train of thought. Must have been a lie. What's that? Must have been a lie. Must have been a lie. Lies just disappear. <laughs> um, and what Jordan Peterson is talking about here is he's talking about because of this 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 tendency to make everything villainous. And to to deprecate everything and to look down upon everything is that we're creating our own hell. Mm. And and what we're doing is is we're creating an, a system where it's like everybody's the bad guy, right? Like, um, well, Christians we're the bad guy. Mm-hmm. People don't like Christians um, because of of a few things. I won't say a few things. Christians have done some pretty bad things in the past. So it's like the Crusades right? The Catholic church, mm. horrible things. And they want to look, oh, Christians are the bad guy. Okay. Let's talk about hospitals, how a large amount of hospitals are founded on Christian foundations. Let's talk about, uh, the Christian missionary groups that are literally getting people out of North Korea right now because mm. of what they believe. Nobody's talking about that. Nobody talks about the, the good that they, they've done. And, because we're so focused on like what this villain has done to me. We're not being selfless. We're being selfish. And, and like we said at the beginning, that's what creates your own perpetual 
hell, your own, your own place of like constantly thinking everybody's out to get you. Cause mm-hmm. why would you think that everybody's a villain and out to get you unless you're only thinking about yourself? But if you maybe, maybe if people got up and started thinking about what can I do to make the world a better place rather than look at all the people making the world a bad place, maybe mm-hmm. you make a difference. Yeah. Cause they're living in victimization. So it's like, I've been hurt. So I'm going to sit here and you have to make it better instead of like me going out and me trying to make the world a better place. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, like I've hurt people. Have you hurt people? Mm-hmm. Dan, have you hurt people? Mm-hmm. Chad, have you hurt people? Every single one of us has hurt people. And, and that's just the reality. Now we can always sit here and point fingers and go like, I'm hurt. Uh, everybody else needs to fix the problems around me and then I'll be better. Or you can go like, how many people have I hurt in my life? Mm. How many wrongs have I done? What can I correct to make the world just a little bit better? And if that becomes the focus, then what changes? I think the whole freaking world changes if everybody starts thinking like that. Mm. Uh, but, but nobody does. A um, lot, lot of backlog to kind of get into this point. Uh, so the next part here is kind of getting into like what I think is super important and where I think the church now gets involved and where us as Christians should get involved and start um, how we should start looking at masculinity. The Christian church is there to remind people, young men included, and perhaps even first and foremost, that they have a woman to find, a garden to walk in, a family to nurture, an ark to build, a land to conquer, a ladder to heaven to build, and the utter terrible catastrophe of life to face stalwartly in truth, devoted to love. And So at the start of the video, I said um, that Genesis series was appealing to me. Because I was a man looking for purpose. I didn't have purpose. Guess what? I'm a man. I need it. It's built into me. It's just something in us that says we need to do something that contributes. And Genesis series appealed to me because it actually showed me purpose and the meaning of doing something and, and actually actually stepping up and being a man. And this is, this is where Jordan's calling out the church. And this is where I'm going to agree with him is that the church caters to the soft. Um, what the heck was that? Oh, you got a text message. Uh, <laughs> the church, the church caters to the soft and there's, there's, there's nothing wrong with that unless it's too much of that. Mm-hmm. So Jesus is the focus. That's who we strive to be. He, he is the image of God. But what we always focus on is, is the love, is the forgiveness. And, and these are great things is the, is the acceptance of people is, is, um, you know, um, you know, never looking down upon something like these are all great loving things that should be in my primary focus of what we do in life. But what the church doesn't talk about is how Noah had to build an ark, right? So God could have absolutely said, I'm going to take everybody I'm going to take Noah, you and your family and teleport you up to this cloud. You're going to hang out on this cloud. I'm going to wipe out the earth. I'm going to teleport you back down, right? Then you're going to go start the, the, a new race. No, that's not what happened. He said, Noah, build this giant boat. Noah's probably like, bro, we don't even have electric tools. <laughs> like, like, and he has to build this huge boat that fits on these animals. And, and this is his purpose. He has something to do, right? Then we got Moses. God could have led Israel. He, and he did. Mm-hmm. But he gave Moses a task. He said, hey, you need to actually do something. 
You need to, you know, fix yourself. You need to pick up your britches. You need to get to work. You need to help your people. You need to lead them. I know you're stressed, right? And then there's there's like teachings on how to lead the people, how to govern, how to delegate, right? Like you want to you want to learn how to manage a business. Read what Moses did with with Israel. Like everything that he 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 did, everything that he learned is exactly how somebody should run a business. Then you got David and you got Solomon, right? God could have easily come in and been like, you know what? I'll be king of this nation. I know they want a king, but I'm going to give him a king and and I'll tell you exactly what to do. And you do it exactly like I say, step by step. No, he said, I need you to rule. I need you to lead these people, right? Now, obviously he gave his rules. He gave his law. He gave, uh, he gave them wisdom, but he gave them things to do, mm-hmm. things to step up and like to like be a man and make a difference in the world and and stand in front of chaos like like david was a warrior right people like all oh, like you you like they look at they look at us because we're fighters and like you're christians you can't be fighters well david was a warrior god backed him up right moses was a warrior god backed him up right they, they he backed them up in battle because they were fighting for the right thing and it's like well okay jesus was like live by the sword die by the sword amen and you shouldn't you shouldn't live in violence, mm-hmm. but you should absolutely be ready to fight for what you believe in and fight for truth and fight for justice. And then these are things that are being taught to us, but it's like, no, sit in the corner, be peaceful. Don't ruffle any feathers, right? Don't, don't make anybody upset, right? We want to appear as like, like anytime I get mad on <laughs> TikTok live, what's the first comment that shows up? Anytime I get mad. It's not very Christian. Oh, yeah. You get that a lot, though. I get that a lot. lot. Different reasons. Different reasons. I was playing video games earlier on a live and people, oh, it's not very Christian to you. It's too much violence. It's like, that's not what it means to be Christian is to be weak. Mm -hmm. Right? Like Paul wasn't weak. Paul was a warrior. He's going out persecuting the Christians and then God used him and he was still a warrior. Now, he didn't use violence. He didn't use the sword. But he still went out and he stood in synagogues and he argued with people and he held his ground. And, and this is what God has called us to do is to step up and hold our ground. And then we focus on Jesus. Jesus wasn't a pushover, right? He knew how to hold his ground. He wasn't afraid to snap at somebody if he needed to, right? He, he knew how to, he was the definition of meek, right? And, and Jordan Peterson actually talked about a proper translation of what meek is, is it's not somebody that um, doesn't know how to fight. It's somebody who, he says, he says the translation better goes like this. It's somebody who um, knows how to use a sword and then doesn't. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference. Like Jesus could have summoned 135, 135, 185,000 angels. I think it's 135. He could have summoned 135,000 angels. One, no. He could have summoned 12 legions of angels and a single angel wiped out 135,000 men in the Old Testament. Mm, Yeah. Right, that's power. And he never used it. That's what the definition of meek is. And, And again, Peterson talks about this too, is be a monster and then don't. Learn, Learn how to be a monster and put it under control. And this is where I think... The church in general, like I'm not pointing any fingers at anybody, but just on a spectrum has come short, is teaching men how to be that. Teaching them how to be a monster and then put it on a leash. 
teaching them how to wield the sword and then to never use it. Mm. Teaching them how to stand up for themselves, but not be a bully. Teaching them how to defend the weak, right? Teaching them how to do those things. You can't be passive if you're just a wimp. Yeah. Because you're just a wimp. <laughs> you're not passive. You're, you're choosing not to engage in, in a problem. Because you can't. Because you can't. And, and, and that's the thing. And then to, 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 to like make this like, and we talked about this in the car. Why do you think women go, go, are mostly going to church? Why do you think it's primarily women and, and like is Jesus, right? If you were to date a man, assuming you're not with me, if you were to date a man that emulated Jesus perfectly, you'd, you'd take it in a heartbeat. Yeah. You wouldn't say no to that. The, that is, that's the selling point is, is we, we look at Jesus and we go, look how great he is. And, 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 and that's a beautiful thing. I'm not taking from that. But then we fail to go, look how great Jesus is. You can also strive for that. You'll never achieve it, but you strive for it. And in turn, you may get close, right? And for a man, you know, like, you want, you, like, I think we should, unless, like, you're called, like, Paul to live by, by in ministry and you're called to be in, in a life of signal, singleness, that's fine. But I think if you're not called to be in a life of singleness, you should strive to find a wife. And I think if you're striving to find a wife, the best way to do that, emulate Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I think the church has has this ability um, to capitalize on that and bring more men in, but they gotta not be so afraid to preach the hard things. I don't think I've ever seen a sermon um, online on on podcasts or anything like that preached out of the first five books of the Bible. Right. The, for some reason, that skipped because there's a lot of harshness in there. I don't think a lot of people want to want to touch on that. But then Jordan Peterson gets in front of millions of people. And he preaches only out of Genesis. And people find it fulfilling. They find purpose from that. That was the male audience. Mm-hmm. Right is when you looked when you looked at the world and you said the truth you said there's chaos there's a villain there's people out there who are trying to hurt you step up and do something about it be different be a warrior actually go out there and and hold your ground and I'm not saying we got to all grab swords and, and start going to war that's not what I'm saying at all but I, I'm saying is is that call to to find your purpose and Jordan Peterson found that and he's not even a pastor Mm -hmm. he used the Bible to do that so the churches like churches you have an audience of men out there who want to hear the scripture but we're all too afraid to preach on what scripture says because we don't want society to think that we're some evil uh, theocracy and people Mm -hmm. say we want a theocracy that we're trying to be an evil theocracy that's, that dominates and kills everybody. There is killing in the Bible. That, that's, that's the fact of the matter. But they lived in harsh times. But the lessons that come from that can absolutely uh, fall upon men now. This is called virtue ethics, right? Like we can learn. Like I can learn what happened to Lot's wife tells me I shouldn't focus on my past. Mm-hmm. Right? Because that's going to kill me. 
right? What I learned um, from Moses and in, in Israel is, like I said, how to manage a business. You, you, can, you can learn that from watching that, right? You can, you can learn what, is, what it means like to be a warrior by looking at David. Going to battle when you absolutely have to, when it's necessary. But when you have your enemy dead to rights, when he had Saul in the cave, he had his knife, what'd he do? He walked up, cut off a piece of his robe and said, I had you dead to rights. And I didn't do it because it's not my place. Mm-hmm. Why should I do that? that? That is being meek. That is the definition of it there. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> Without fear. Invite the young men back. Say literally to those young men, you are welcome here. If no one else wants what you have to offer, we do. We want to call you to the highest purpose of your life. We want your time and energy and effort and your will and your goodwill. We want to work with you to make things better, to produce life more abundant for you and for your wife and children and for your community and your country and the world. And this is actually um, something that I like about the motto of our church, right? Um, Oh, then I forgot it (laughs) as soon as I said it. Come freely, leave change. Come freely, leave change. Thank you so much. Come freely, leave, leave changed. And that's, what do we see every single sign that we pass by on a church? It says, what? It says something about your sin. Or like a corny Christian joke. Corny Christian joke, right? Like it's a stupid corny Christian joke. (laughs) Nobody wants to come to that church. No. Or it's it's like, it's like, um, you know, somebody knocks on your door. What do they tell you? You don't repent, you're going to hell. Yeah. Right? People don't believe in hell. Like, what, what is the appeal to that? Somebody tells me I, I, when I was an atheist, I'm going to hell. Oh, cool. You're going to shoot me with a ray gun next? That was my mindset. Like, <laughs> you're threatening me with nonsense. Yep. Like, it, it might be true. It might, it might not. Like, people are familiar with how I think judgment will go down. Ultimately, I think that's up to God, and I think it will be just and it'll be fair. And, and it's, it's where people choose. But why isn't anybody in the church talking about what following Scripture can do for you? Right. Where, where it's like you got a whole market of people out there craving for growth. Well, it's like, OK, your life's falling apart. Well, how are you living it? Mm. Well, here here in the church says that if you live it this way, these things will change. Right. These things will be better. Shape up, you know, build an ark like we were talking. Lead a people. Right. Lead them out of danger. Find your purpose. Do something that's meaningful. Do something that's important, but that's not what my experience as an atheist. I've never had a, a Christian come up and say, are you happy in life? Mm. Okay. No, I'm not. Well, what are you doing in life? I'll be like, I'm doing these things. Well, have you tried doing these things? Well, where'd you learn to do that? Jesus taught me. Yeah. Right. Why, why, why is like when Jesus says, be the light, somebody comes up to you, why, why are you so you? Why are you the person who you are? You'd be like, Jesus showed me how to do it. Mm-hmm. He can show you how to do it. Come to church. Christians are scared to have that conversation, though. Why do you think? I think kind of because the world is, like you said, the world is villainized, Christians. Right. But then it's like that's exactly, I don't know, it's a great opportunity for like people hate you and you're like, well, <laughs> at, least, at least you're having a conversation about it. You know, like at least they know 
that you're a Christian. They might hate you, but at least you can talk to them. Well, why do, why do they hate Christians, though? Because of Westboro Baptist Church. Yeah. People like that who stand outside of, um, of, of funerals and, and protest. Or people who, who, um, uh, who protest um, uh, abortion clinics. Right. Um, and in a grotesque way, I know certain people that do it in a good way or people that come up to you and say, you know, have you heard of the Jesus Christ? No. Well, you're going to hell. Like, like pastor talked about that at one of his sermons. He was like, he's saying they were going door to door and, and the guy who was leading him, you know, says like, well, do you do any of these things? Well, you're going to hell. It's like, it's, it's that constant threat yeah. of like what could happen to you instead of the promise of what will happen to you. Mm. Right. It's like uh, Jeff Durbin talked about this because he did. Uh, um, he, he was talking about how he did like AA and uh, he was trying to get people out of alcoholism. And he used Jesus as the example. First step is he like he got their identity in Jesus and he was finding success with it and things like that. And they actually came and put a, a stop on it. Like you can't be using that here. And it's like, well, why not? I'm it's finding working. It's working. <laughs> like 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 if you follow. You follow the example, which is Jesus Christ, and you actually try to live your way the way that Jesus lived it, and you actually try to follow him, guess what? You're going to have positive change. You forgive somebody 70 times, seven times, like Jesus said, like you're going to have less hatred in your heart. Mm -hmm. Pastor George said that when he came on the live. He said, you know, forgiveness is selfish because mm -hmm. it, it's, it's a law for you. Like if you, if you put, you know, others before yourself, you're going to find more purpose. You're going to find perpetual joy in your life, right? If you die to self, pick up your cross and follow him, you're going to find eternal life. But that doesn't start the moment you die. It starts right now. Mm -hmm. And life just isn't existing. It's living. And so like that, that's what I'm trying to say. And that's, and that's the point why I wanted to talk about this video is that Christian churches, you have a market. You have a market of men out there that are seeking purpose, they're seeking meaning, they're looking for someone to follow, they're looking for a masculine leader, and that is Jesus Christ. But they, why? Why are they not doing it? That, that's, that's the thing that, that confuses me because this is what brought me to Jesus, ultimately. Right, like a lot of the factors were included, but this was like one of those stepping stones. This is why I started looking towards God because it was like the Bible taught me what purpose was. The Bible taught me what meaning was. The Bible taught me that the world is an evil, scary, dangerous place I can make it a little bit better if I just, you know, tied my boots and did something, anything. Mm. I don't know. Right, we'll continue. We're almost done here. <laughs> and we have our problems in the Christian church. We are more abundant, sometimes far too often corrupt, and sometimes deeply so. We are outdated, as are all institutions with their roots in the dead, but still often wise past. So join us. We'll help fix you up, and you can help fix us up. And together, we'll aim up. And that's an, another good point, too, is that you'll help fix us up. Mm -hmm. As much as we rely on ancient text for our, our looking at the future, we still have a future to look at. We still have uh, of growth. And for growth, you need young leaders, mm -hmm. right? You need... Uh, you need new pastors, you need new evangelists, you need new fresh ideas, you need, you know, we got the internet now, right? We, we need to see evangelism on the internet, we need to see church on the internet, we need to see 
uh, people doing that, not being stuck in a building. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I think, because you said, like, why, why are we not doing this? Why are we not reaching out to this market that we have? And I think it might be a little bit of fear because it would require change in the church because the church is kind of um, seen as like a more like feminine mm. area. It's like maybe we don't sing about wet sloppy kisses. Maybe we <laughs> you haven't heard that song. No. <laughs> Dan's excited. What? Uh, there's a there's a song and it's like heaven meets earth with a wet sloppy kiss it's like it's just this lyric and you're like what does that even mean why do you have to say it like that like why so maybe if we had less of that like we'd have to have less of that that kind of thing remember when i first like i I first uh came to god and i had a complaint i'm like why does all the music suck yeah (laughs) 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 well where's where's uh where's the 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 story of, of of gideon Going out to battle as a yeah. song. Bro, you make a rock opera about Gideon? A rock opera? Yeah. You never heard of a rock opera before? The, the, I just think it's funny if we did that in church. Well, I'm just saying though. Like that would be, like that would, it's biblical. It's mm-hmm. true. It's of God and it would appeal to men. Yeah. Because like we're men. We, we like a little chaos. We like a little war. You know, we, we like to watch football and sports and boxing yeah. and MMA. And this is like, it's built into us. We like that kind of stuff as much as the 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 left doesn't want us to and they want us to just be good and behaved mm-hmm. with our, our their hands crossed no little chaos is good and healthy yeah. but it's like we, we have a whole book filled with masculinity that we neglect yeah and we focus on on four books and the gospel is the most important books I, I, i'm not, it sounds like i'm stepping on it i'm not they're the most important books in scripture but it's like bro let's Let's put some focus on. I completely lost my train of thought because we started talking about wet, sloppy kisses. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about change and like change in the church, right? But also, it's like if you do get all these young men coming in and they're excited, they want to do different things. What are you like? What does the church have to do? The church is going to have to start actually going out and doing outreach. It's going to be pushed to stretch itself to actually get it into the world, which is what I think a lot of people are actually scared of doing because they don't want to go out and get get the hatred of no they want to sit in their pew and hide they want to they want their their nice little songs right they want to hear a nice little sermon about how jesus forgave everything they ever did their church lunch after church lunch you know burritos (laughs) nothing wrong with burritos but they want to go home and then they want to live their week and and they don't actually want to go out into the world and evangelize and do something that's different and so what jordan peterson is saying here you have a market of men out there and you have the perfect example of what men are looking for and you have the perfect book of what men are trying to strive to be and you just got to look at look at that capitalize on it put it out into the world pull them into the church and guess what you now have new leaders you now have new pastors you now have new evangelists you now have new youth teachers you now have people who are going to come in and implement change and do things that are different scary different things. Ooh. Um, and then they're going to go out and be of the world, but not in the world or in the world, but not of the world. They got that backwards. And they're going to do something that's different because if, if all we do is hold on to the archaic ways of always being, we're going to get left behind mm-hmm. and we're going to get forgotten about. Like, like TikTok. TikTok 
Paul would use it in a heartbeat. It's the new street evangelism because nobody nobody wants to go outside anymore. Well, nobody is outside anymore. We'll reach them in their houses. No, well, again, though, but nobody is outside. If I walk down, like most people stay at home now. Yeah. Right. Nobody goes out and and socializes. But it's like I can load up TikTok. I talk to hundreds of people at one one moment if if need be, sometimes thousands of people. Well, you got to do that. But you shouldn't download TikTok because that's where they dance. Dancing is of the devil. Dancing is of the devil. So stay off TikTok. That's of the future. And and you might see too much skin. And I wouldn't want you to stumble. Grow up. (laughs) Like, grow up. You're going to see some skin in your life. You're going to see some dancing. You're going to see some sin. You're going to see some chaos. People don't want to be in sin. They don't want to go out. Guess what? Who did Jesus hang out with? The drunkards. Mm -hmm. Right? Where are the drunkards? They're at the bar. (laughs) Like... If you want to evangelize to those people, you might have to go to a bar. Now, granted, if you're somebody who, who who has a problem with alcohol, don't go to a bar. That's not that's not your mission field. That's not your mission field. Go somewhere else. Um, Pastor Mark Clark talks about this. There are guys who specifically go to porn conventions to deliver the gospel. There are certain people who should do that. Most people listening to this chat should not do that. <laughs> That is not your place of ministry. <laughs> so you got you to know where to go and, and what to do, but you can't be scared of, of it's that selfishness. If I go out there, I'm going to, if I go into the world, I'm going to stumble. Mm. You're thinking about yourself. What about the people that are already in sin? What about the people who don't have Jesus? I'm scared I might stumble if I'm around them. Okay, cool. They're lost. Mm-hmm. You might stumble. Get up, repent, move on, do better, and then get back out there and help people that are lost. Like, if somebody's out in the ocean and they're drowning, are you not going to jump in because you're afraid to get wet? <laughs> <sighs> Anyways. Everything Jesus did was radical. Everywhere he went, it was radical. Yeah. Well, what, what did he uh, what did he say? I came to start. Well, yeah. So uh, Dan says, I think they can hear you because we heard you last time on it. But Dan, Dan says everything that Jesus did was radical. Um, and what do, you, what do you say? I came to start a, a rebellion. Was it a rebellion? Hmm? You guys have been Christians your whole life. He came to abolish the law. Right. And to bring repentance for sin. All things new. Which is exactly what um, uh, the Jewish people rebelled against right. was the change, mm-hmm. which is a lot of what's happening now is like, like you've spoke about being in churches. They just want their nice little building mm-hmm. and they don't want to go out and do anything. And it's interesting, too, because when I got into like college and I'd start going like my classmates would have a party and I'd like start going or like you and like a friend group might be at a bar. So I like go to a bar and I knew that there would be people in the church that would like look at that and be like, Oh, she's, you know, she's getting crazy. Like she's risky. She's being risky. And it's like, well, I'm not getting drunk. I'm not going like I'm being a sober driver for my classmates so that they can get home safe. I'm, you know, they're being like, well, why don't you ever get drunk? And then I can have that conversation. And be like, cause you know, cheese and rice, Jesus Christ and Byron. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> 
<laughs> exactly. That's exactly what I said. <laughs> but the, but you're absolutely right. Is that uh, you gotta you gotta be out there and and, and you gotta make uh, an actual an actual difference. And you can't do that in your church pew. No, because they're not coming to your church pew. They're out in the bars. So go in the bars. And again, that that might not be your ministry. Anyways, I think we gotta we got two more points here, and and then we'll. Jesus did. He quote of the night. Which camera? This one. We did this last time. I think it's <laughs> this one. Where? There you go. Okay. Jesus drank wine. <gasps> he brought wine to the end of the wedding after a week long wedding because they ran out. <laughs> oh no. The best wine. If he didn't want people to drink it, he would have made it taste terrible. Do you like wine? Hmm. Good to know. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, so uh, anyways, go do something and don't be afraid to get your feet wet. Don't have a glass of wine <laughs> once in a while. I shall go to the bars. <laughs> <laughs> Off they go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, everyone leaves the chat because they're just all they're going just all going to the bar john said we could do it i get phone calls from pastors what did you do to my uh... and here's a message to those young men skeptical about such things what else do you have you can abandon the churches in your cynicism and disbelief you can say to yourself narcissistically and solipsistically the church does not express what i believe properly who cares what you believe? <laughs> Why is this about you? Do you even want it to be about you? What if it was about others? What if it was about your duty to the past and to the broader community that surrounds you in the present? What if it was incumbent upon you and vital to your health and willingness even to live to rescue your dead father from the belly of the beast mm. where he has always resided and to restore him to life? So here's the part where I kind of disagree with Jordan Peterson. Because belief is actually important, mm-hmm. um, and and it's like okay, so you, you don't. Here's here's the thing. Um, you you can be somebody who can live a biblical life, but if you don't actually believe in Jesus Christ, and you don't actually follow him, and you don't have any relationship with him. It doesn't matter because you're not going to fulfill a, a, a complete completeness in biblical life. And the whole point of the law was to show us that we couldn't fulfill the law, therefore we had to trust in Jesus. The whole point is to put trust in God so that He can work through us. Mm-hmm. So we, we can we can do things, we can make a difference, we can show up. But the only way that you pursue, pursue through building the ark is knowing that God's going to show up, mm-hmm. right? So you only build the ark if you know it's going to rain because God said it was going to rain, right? Um, Paul only preached the word because he knew Jesus is going to return and share the gospel. There, there's... That part of faith, the part of like hope at the end, a purpose to do what you do. Why do you, why do you get up in the morning and, and, and follow Jesus? And without that relationship, it's good. It's, it's a good thing to have. I'm not going to say Jordan Peterson. I don't know if he has a relationship with Jesus Christ, but the man follows a biblical lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And, and he's changed a lot of lives and he's done a lot of good in the world because of that. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, without that relationship, though, it's going to fall a little bit short. And, and that is super 
important. With that being said, his sales tactic here is good. Because who cares about what you believe? Who cares how I think the world should be? Right? Why does it matter? I'm me. I'm not important. Who cares what you think the world should be? You're not important. I love you, but you're not (laughs) into the grand scheme of things, right? Um, Something that's transcendent. And, And this is like God aside, you know, people are like, oh, the book is, the Bible is outdated. We need to change it. Well, the point of something being transcendent is you don't change it. There's something that you hold to no matter what, a greater purpose. The moment that you start changing the greater purpose, it's no longer about the greater purpose. It's about you. And, and that's, that's the market is saying, is saying to men, I have purpose for you. I can give you joy. I can give you meaning if you stop worrying about you and start worrying, start worrying about others and start serving the world. That's, that's, that's the sales tactic. And then the payoff is Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. as they get that relationship where they can have real change, where it's not just going through the motions, where it's, you build the ark because you want to where you give away what you have to people who need it because you want to, because of love. And that's what I'm saying is like the sales tactic is good, but belief is important. Mm-hmm. Without that belief, uh, we all fall short. And our job as men, as everybody, but this is, this is marketing to men, is to improve the world, not our own happiness. Happiness is fleeting. It'll never be fulfilled. You will never get enough happiness where at the end of the day, you're like, yep, that was a good amount of happiness. We'll have some more tomorrow, right? It's, it's never enough. You always feel empty. But if, if, if your goal is to improve the world, then there, there's always something to reflect on and be like, you know what, that is better than the way I left it. Like he, like he talked about this too, is, is the guy who got rid of the worms that ate people's eyeballs. What? You didn't hear about that? So there, like there's the a, sand with by eating sand. Maybe um, there was a specific type of worm that was out there that would eat human eyes. It would get into you, and that's what it would do. And it had no other purpose in the world except to cause this chaos. Now there's a person who dedicated his whole life to eradicating this worm and succeeded. That was probably a lot of work. Yeah, a lot of effort. <laughs> Probably a lot of good came out of that. A lot of people have 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 eyesight, and and I bet you that person. I, I don't know if they're still around anymore, but that person is going to be on their last days. They're going to reflect upon that good that they did. Mm-hmm. They're not going to reflect upon that night of partying they had. Yeah. They're not going to reflect upon that 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 you know the satisfaction of uh, of their partners or multiple partners if they're choosing that lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Right. Those things we don't reflect on. We miss and we go, oh, we want another one of that because it was so tasty. I want another ice cream cone because the ice cream cone was good. Mm -hmm. But the things that we sit on at the end of the porch that brings us like true joy and true happiness is the the things that have actually changed the world and actually made a difference. And we go, yeah, that's because I follow Jesus and Jesus showed me the way. Let's finish it off. (laughs) Once again, to the churches, Protestant. You're the worst at the moment. Amen. Catholic, Orthodox, 
Invite young men. Put up a billboard. Say, young men are welcome here. Print some flyers and put them in a box by the billboard. Signal the existence of those flyers with an arrow with the words, more information about attending here. Tell those who have never been in a church exactly what to do, how to dress, when to show up, who to contact, and most importantly, what they can do. Ask more, not less, of those you are inviting. Ask more of them than anyone ever has. Remind them who they are in the deepest sense and help them become that. Your churches, for God's sake, quit fighting for social justice. Quit saving the bloody planet. Attend to some souls. That's what you're supposed to do. That's your holy duty. Do it now before it's too late. And the hour is nigh. Dude's a gangster. He is. Dude's a gangster. He's and he's he's right. Everything he said there, there's like I don't even know how to add on to it or how to expand because it was it was perfect. And he's right. Um, and, and here's a few things he's right about. He's talking about um, uh, where we're falling short and where we're coming. So Protestants, we're falling, they're falling short. Here's why. You have no upward structure. You have no accountability coming from the top down. And, and because of that, it's, 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 it's going a little bit too chaotic. And it's just whatever they feel like is, is the doctrine. You don't even know what you're going to get. Like, uh, like Jordan... He says, you know, we've talked to him and he'll say like, if I've got a new believer, I'm going to send them to the Catholics. I'm going to send them to Orthodoxy because at least I know what they're going to get. <laughs> right. Yeah. And now I don't entirely agree with uh, a lot of the Catholic doctrine. I don't agree with a lot of the Orthodox doctrine. What I've learned now, I, I would do the same thing. If given an absolutely brand new believer, I would either like if they're, they're not here because if they're here, I'd welcome them to our church. Mm-hmm. Right. Because because we do have a solid foundation. Um but if I don't know where they are, I'm going to go Catholic or Orthodox. Go there. Because they got some accountability from the top, right? They, they got a, a standard of asking more because they believe in works. Right. That's, that's a thing too. Now, they believe that it's, I don't know what the Catholics believe, but I believe Orthodoxy believes that faith is an evidence or works is an evidence of your faith. So it's like, it's not that, oh, you're just fine. You can do whatever you want. It's like, no, if you're not actually doing works, that's a good sign that you don't know Jesus that you don't have that relationship, right? So that, that's something he's absolutely got right is that we need a little bit more accountability. We need a little bit more. And, and look, it's not, it's not, oh, you wore, uh, you wore uh, spaghetti straps. That's not the accountability we're talking about. It's not the, oh, you might make a brother stumble. It's the, if you're showing up for a good job, dress respectable because you're more likely to get a good job. If you want to have like an influence in the world, how you stand, how you carry yourself, how you, how you speak to people, uh, that's going to make a difference, mm-hmm. right? If you want to do better in the world, then actually show up and do better. Uh, and like I said, that's where I agree with him when I say like orthodoxy and Catholics, maybe do it a little bit better than the Protestants. Another point that I fully agree with is it's not our job to attend the culture, right? Um, mm-hmm. Our conversation in the in the LGBTQ community, none. We don't have an opinion on your community. We have an opinion on sin overall, right? As individuals, we might have an opinion. Our opinion on politics as the church, 
that's not our place. Individuals, we might have opinions, and our our biblical viewpoints have an effect on who we vote on. Absolutely. Like, we're going to vote for people who have more biblical views because we want to see that in the world. Mm -hmm. But it's not our place to go, hey, as a church, this is how you should be voting. This is what you should be doing. Right. right? It's, it's our place as a church to attend to souls. What are you saying? To attend to people. To look at an individual, doesn't matter what community they're part of, and going, why is your life falling apart? What can we do to make it better? Have you met Jesus Christ? He can help you on that path. Mm -hmm. He shows you the path. He can do it. And that's what we should be doing is focusing on the individual people, not the culture, not the government, not the politics. What do you right here in my community need? As, um, and that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus didn't go to Herod and say, you need to fix everything in the community and make it better. Right? He didn't go to Caesar he didn't go to these, these, these cultural groups. He didn't go to these. He focused on the soul. He focused on the individual. He focused on the person that needed it. And people are looking for it. People are looking for purpose. People are, look, people don't want to admit it, but you're looking for Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. and, and you're lost. Because Jesus Christ offers all those things. It's not, again, it's that, that rose-colored glasses is how the church has portrayed him. Is that, oh, you know, he's that, Mark Clark says this all the time, that hippie who sits in the, in the kitchen and looks out the window and gives you that wink, you know, that's just happy that he gave you a phone call, that you gave him a phone call. He's like, oh, I'm so glad he's on my team. It was really nice to hear from Billy Bob. Like, that's not who Jesus is. Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow me. Yeah. He's that purpose that people are looking for. And the church has it, but the church is too scared to get mm -hmm. out of their church and be like, here he is. Here's the invitation. No more stupid quotes <laughs> on your freaking billboards. Put up, like Jordan said, men welcome here. Change your life here. Start new here. Find purpose here. Something's missing. Find it here. There's a market for that. Mm -hmm. Jordan Peterson is the example. He's already done it. He said it. He did the biblical series. Millions upon millions of people viewed it. Millions upon millions of people found faith through that, including myself. If he can do it, and he doesn't even claim to be a pastor, why can't the pastors do it? That's the end of my rant. <laughs> I'm all done. <laughs> I, I got to figure out a way to end these lives now. Um, Chad, I kind of neglected you the whole time. What's that? What, what did he say? I can't read it. What's it say? Can you can you find that for me? Romans five three to five. Can you read that? I can't read it. Can you read it? But we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Who has been given to us. Amen. You know what it doesn't say? Uh, come come to Jesus. He'll do everything. Here's a big hug. Have a great day. Uh, we'll see you later. Right? There, there's, there's some suffering involved in growth. And that's just the reality. Any other points you see there? I, I, I think I need to get my eyes checked. I should be able to read that. The, a little farther down. 
Part of the reason churches are failing are they are too much like lukewarm Laodicea. What is Laodicea? In the book. Oh, right, yes, in Revelation, right? Yeah. yeah. And we are not a peculiar people, but a people that resembles culture too much, which is kind of what you're talking about. And that's like with the churches um, that have like, they've got like the pride flags everywhere. And it's just like, well, that, that's, they're, they're just, they're trying to appeal. They are trying to appeal to the world, but they're doing it in a poor way. They're not doing it as in like, we're different. Maybe we have the solution that you need. It's, we're going to be just like you. Oh, yeah. Come to us and change nothing. Yeah. Uh, and I, I love that verse because you were neither hot nor cold. I will spew you out of my mouth. I will spit you out because you're useless. That's actually what that verse means, though. <laughs> the two what? of you, you're so funny. It's true, though. It's like, yes. <laughs> I mean, like, like, look, if all you do as a church is sit there and cater to people and change and conform to them, you are useless. Yeah. Well, whatever they're doing is not working, clearly. So how are you going to help them if you're offering exactly what they're doing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, come to us and find exactly what you already have. Come Open to us hopes. and find no change. Come to us and you will be embraced exactly as you are because you are neither hot nor cold. I will spew. I love it so much. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's like, it's one, like that's, the, that's Jesus. Jesus yeah. said that. And it's like, oh, that's like we, we only focus on the, I forgive you. No, he will spew you. Gone. You see you later. If you don't do something, you're not useful. Be something that's different. All right, uh, chat. Did you guys, do you guys want to see this continue? Get a, get a yes or a no in the chat. I enjoy it, but I also like talking a lot. <laughs> so... It's kind of like a, it's kind of like a, a win-win for me. Uh, next time we'll get to get Abby talking more. It's a little bit. When what, <laughs> like when we do the personality quiz. Yes. That'll be more. Yeah, we might do that next live. So we did because um, we're, we're preparing to get married uh, in, in a year's time. Uh, we did uh, Jordan Peterson's personality quiz. Uh, where it talks about all the things about you, and uh, and you can link it. Uh, everybody's on board if you guys don't actually enjoy this though please let me know um <laughs> don't be nice so i'm glad that you guys do enjoy it if you're being honest but yeah so we did the personality quiz and it goes into uh, all the things that are wrong with me and all the things that are great about her <laughs> and, it, and it's it, equal <laughs> and it and it shows so it shows it so we're going to go through that and uh we're going to talk about because we're definitely not experts. We haven't been there, but we're going to talk about like the steps that we're, we're trying to do uh, to make sure that we're setting ourselves up for a good future. And um, part of that is that personality quiz and like yeah. how we're, it was fun, how we're going to look it's at life. Yeah. So do you guys, do you guys want to see that? It's, we're not going to be reacting live to a video. It's, it'll be just me and Abby. Do you guys want to see that next weekend? Thank you so much. The quiz is, it's, um, what was the quiz? It, I think it's called Understand Myself or Understand Yourself, something. But if you Google Jordan Peterson personality quiz, you'll, fi you'll find it. Right. So if there, there's an interest for that, if not, I'll find something else. People might not be that interested in us, Abby. It's true. Yeah. Yes, you can do the quiz if you're single. Um, it, it's actually designed for that, but mm -hmm. you can link it to other people and see 
basically where you guys separate and where you guys are, are close together. Got a few people interested in that. So yeah, we'll probably do that next week unless something big happens. Cause you know, doing the social media thing, you have to capitalize on trends. Uh, so we'll focus on that. Um, also in the chat, can everybody say thanks, Dan in the <laughs> chat for all the work that he does? Like, I know you guys are seeing all the cameras switching, but I wish you guys could see what we see. Again, we got camera here, camera there, camera there. There's a camera there that moves. That he's not moving. That he's doing it by itself. You get that's wild, and 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 he's doing all the switching in the background too. So, big thanks to Dan for helping out. It's it's greatly appreciated, and and to do it every week, you know, that's awesome. Um, I don't know how to end this, so I love all you guys. We're gonna pray us out, and then we're gonna go. Get the rope out of there. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for this platform. Thank you for this community. Uh, thank you for your guidance and the things that you've done in our life. Um, God, I, I ask for more guidance. I ask for more wisdom. Uh, we're looking for steps to bring your gospel, bring, out to, bring it out into the world uh, to ultimately show people that following you, there is no greater purpose than, than, than knowing you and being in relationship with you. And sometimes that's hard. And sometimes it's just easier to just like sit at home and be in that relationship with you than it is to actually go outside and make those introductions. So God, I ask that you give us the courage to do that, to, to stand up and to actually make a difference, to actually be the light that goes on the lampstand, not put under the basket, uh, to, to shine out into the world so that people know where to go. And so that when they come to us, they go, why are you different? We can say it's because of you and the works that you've done in our lives. God, I ask that you give us a heart to fully submit to you, to give everything that we have over to you, our homes, our finances, our 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 passions, our, our love lives, everything, make it yours. And ultimately, God, I just ask that you stay in our lives and, and just be transparent and be open and be that guiding light for us. And if that there's anybody that is listening now, either at home or later on, if they don't know you, I ask that you show them the path so that they can truly know you and find that fulfillment and that find that fulfillment in being in relationship with you. I ask this in Jesus name. Amen. You're now a moderator for this channel. Thank you. All right, guys, uh, I love you all. And once again, uh, if you want to continue to support this, please support me on Patreon. Uh, links are not down below, but they will be a little bit later. Um, most people know where to find it. Um, and you also please follow me on Instagram, follow me on TikTok. Uh, TikTok, subscribe to my YouTube. And uh, let's keep this growing. And once this is put out, show this to your friends and family. I appreciate you all, and we'll see you all next week.